Grow CFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using GrowCFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the GrowCFO show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I've got a returning guest, Susanna Serrano-Davey. Hello, Susanna. Hello, Kevin. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. Susanna, a few weeks ago, you ran a session in Grow CFO all about storytelling. I thought that would be a great subject for a podcast. Um, I agree. <laughs> so let's let's talk about that today, Kevin. Yeah. So, um, Susanna, accountants, CFOs, telling stories. The the CFO job always feels to me as though it's the probably the one about numbers and facts. Where does storytelling come in? <laughs> it's a very good question. So I think um, accountants and any anyone in their everyday environment can think about becoming a good storyteller because it's not just about getting the point we need across. It's about making an impact. It's about bringing people on board. It's about building consensus. So I think we can use almost like the recipe that storytellers use and we can bring it into our reality to say, right, what can I pick? What, what can I pick from that recipe that can be helpful for me to not just become a storyteller, but be, be more effective in my communications at work and interactions with others? Mm, mm. Yeah, so it's, a, it's, a, it's effectively, we're talking about storytelling being a, a presentation technique. Yes, yes. Yes. And I think it's about building the overall, like taking people through a journey to get to an end that is going to be, it's going to help you uh, reach your objectives or uh, get buying from people. And if we miss some of those steps, some of the journey, we can miss opportunities. And I think in the modern workplace, we're under a lot of pressure to go straight to the point. Yes. And less is more. And yes, I agree that that's a useful tip, but actually sometimes bringing other components into, say, a presentation you're making can help it be more rounded rather than just straight to the point. Yeah. Is is it that stories are memorable? Absolutely. I think if you, I looked up before I prepared this topic, I looked up the storytelling definition on the dictionary and it says, and I will read it uh, contextually for you. Storytelling is the vivid description of ideas, beliefs, personal experiences, and life lessons through stories or narratives that evoke powerful emotions and insights. So these are the words that I think are like particularly important in these areas about vivid, it's about experiencing lessons, creating narratives and using emotions. Mm, mm. And I guess storytelling while presenting ideas is something that's been around a, a long, long time. And I'm thinking straight away of the, probably the earliest examples that a lot of us might have come across was Jesus telling par- parables in the Bible. Absolutely. He's, he's there he's taking folk into a situation. He's putting characters in there. He's putting a scenario together and using what happened to deliver some learning. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And we can use similar methodologies in our everyday uh, reports, presentations, etc. Yeah. So we're, we're looking at a technique here that's at least 2000 years old. Absolutely. So we ought to take notice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to put my hand right up here and say I don't pretend to be a very good storyteller. I, I work on it and I, I like to improve every day. So it's not I'm not coming from a place of perfection. I'm just coming from a place of reflection. Say, right, what are the things that I think are powerful within those storytelling techniques that Jesus used all that time ago that I can use today to become uh, better at communicating my messages? Exactly. And I I think I'd be in the same place as you, that I I don't regard myself as an expert storyteller at all. But I'll certainly use stories when I'm teaching things and probably try to to illustrate points with examples from where has this been important when I've been working with a client? What was going on at that client? Mm -hmm. Why did we use this particular technique? What was the result? And sometimes a little bit of reflection on, well, what could we have done better? I agree. And it makes a world of difference. Yeah. And I think people remember stories and they, they possibly, I think another one is that if you set a scenario, people, people may well relate to that scenario and suddenly a penny drops and they, they think, well, that's very, that scenario is very similar to what's going on around here. Therefore, I better listen to this. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So I suppose what in your experiences, Anna, makes a good story? Well, I like to sum it all up in one word, which we can dig into, which is called hustle. Hustle. And I mm. think good storytelling, it's all about hustle. And we can talk about what are, what do each of the words stand hustle. for? Hustle. I think those, those, those shifty <laughs> sales and marketing types being good at hustling. I don't normally associate hustling with CFOs. <laughs> well, uh, let's find out together, shall we? Yeah. Okay. So hustle. H. H is for hero. Oh. Why the hero? Uh, because I think if, we, if we're not able in our presentation to begin by setting up the context, whether it is a person, a department or a situation, if we don't create that um, context, then our audience won't really care very much. So yeah. it's really important to set the scene with uh, creating that rapport within the, the hero of the story and your audience. And you, you alluded to that earlier, that it's all about making them feel there is some kind of resemblance, there is some kind of similarity and something that they can also care about what happens to that hero. Yeah, I'm thinking around there, a story that I use a lot, um, possibly I'm describing business change, particularly on just talking about um, activity-based costing, better budgeting and so on. I go back to an example where it's probably 30 years ago where we had to transform the the business unit in ICI that I was the business accountant for. And I I use ICI polypropylene's business Mm -hmm. as the example. And I suppose there, ICI polypropylene is the hero. How did we go from 20 million profit to 20 million loss and then pull the business back to break even. That's a very good example. 
Yeah. Yeah. So hero. So identify the person, the organization, the whoever it is. What about the you, Susanna? The you. The you. What does that stand for? (laughs) The you stands up for uphill struggle. Right. And this is all about starting to build momentum and creating drama. So we need to present the problem effectively. And the best way to do that is to make sure that we, we awaken emotion. Yes. Everybody likes a problem. And we usually at work in my experience, when you're presenting, uh, when you're presenting something, it, there is a problem within that. You're either trying to fix something that is broken or you're trying to achieve a, an ambitious budget. Or there is a problem in there to be had. Yes. Yeah. And again, the problem helps us link to that, the, the, the emotion within the audience. And interestingly enough as well, sometimes we can connect emotionally with the people we're talking to not just by using doom and gloom and sadness or frustration, it can also be done through humor or, or, or laughter. Yes. So we need to present the problem, perhaps asking ourselves, you know, what, what, what are the challenges within what I'm trying to present? What could be the negative consequences? And how will this affect your audience? Because mm. I think very often, and I have certainly been guilty of that in my career, we present the problem or we present the, the, the report or the presentation from our shoes. And we don't often spend sufficient time thinking, how is this going to, what's in it for them? How is this going to be seen or perceived by them? So present the problem and connect it to your audience is what uphill struggle stands for. Right. I suppose I've given some of that away in the example that I started with back from ICI. I already said, well, hang on, we had a nice profitable £20 million business unit. Suddenly we're making £20 million loss. We've got to bring this back to break even. That's kind of saying here, this is the uphill struggle this we have to the, solve. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And I think because if you go quicker into perhaps we'll talk about later than, you know, solution mode, if you if you don't spend enough time creating that context and then presenting the problem correctly, then the solution some, somehow loses power. Mm. We will. Yeah. So get the context right and tell and really, I suppose, in the marketing world, they talk about identifying a person's problem and then agitate the problem before you give them the solution Absolutely. i think this is possibly That's... something similar we're using we're using that model that the marketers would use all the time to well effectively we're selling a concept aren't we, we are yeah, selling we are. Something. we're selling we're a solution to get yeah. we're trying to yeah. get buy-in from people all the time yes. so this yeah. is a, a route to, to we try might, and might not be in the way the marketer is or the salesman is trying to get us to, to sign up and buy a product. We're just trying to get somebody to buy into a solution. Mm-hmm. Similar sort of psychological journey going on here. So there's yeah. a, there are a huge number of parallels. So you is the uphill struggle. Then we've got two S's. So the first S in hustle, Susanna. The first S is show. Show meaning put on a good show, use words that are impactful. If you're presenting, if you have the opportunity to present in person, make sure you're using your body language, the tone of your voice. It's not just about what you say, but it's how you say it. And I mean, if you if you teach and we've all listened to, to speakers and people present, what a big difference does it make when someone is able to add that 
almost like texture to what yes. we're presenting. So it's really important. And that may mean in, in our real world to say, right, what can't what uh, graphical information can I use? What's really what impactful data point can I use to try and have that wow factor that you'd find in the theater, for instance? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a picture, it's a graph, it's um Actually, I'm thinking about that ICI example again that I, I use. And I suppose the, the first, the thing that I show is a, a picture of a, a can of beer. And it's not just any can of beer. It's actually a can of Guinness. And the can's cut open at the bottom to reveal the plastic widget in the bottom that we invented in order for a can of Guinness to be draft beer in the can. There's a and lot then, of and the purpose of that is to say, hey, look, we, we did the development work around this widget and it was never going to make any money. And this was at the core of why the business wasn't profitable anymore. So I, I suppose that's, that, that, that kind of illustrates the point there. And yeah, you can use lots of other different things, can't you? You can, yeah. you can. You just need to try. <laughs> what, what, what sort of things have you used at that stage, Susanna? Well, I, I like to use a lot of colour, for instance. I like to sometimes put something brave in there. If it's a, 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 an example that is far-fetched or, as you, as you say, a, an image. And sometimes it can be even... Um, something that stands out. So I think it depends. It's very difficult when you're having a generic conversation to say, okay, you need to use a vivid picture or you need to use, um, I mean, imagine with your, with your example of the beer, uh, plastic beer thing, um, if you were sat, you know, that is, uh, I think it's a very emotive image for many people. When you mentioned the, 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 the plastic ring, I think of animals in the sea yeah. um, being, damaged by them for instance so i think yeah. the power the power of examples and the power of the picture it's it's incredible and and i think what's very interesting as well is to think about it the same thing means different things to different people and evokes different things so yeah. again when you're trying to use an example you may want to just be careful with what now you, you your example. you've given me an interesting point there i've used that example for a long long time and I think over the last five years in particular, uh, attitude towards single-use plastics has changed enormously. So using an example that actually puts something that was very clever and very useful at the time into a can might be perceived these days as putting something totally unnecessary into a can. Or something with a lot of, um, uh, what do you call them, unintended consequences. I yes, mean, that's a great so that, example that's of something. something to think about around the show point. Are yeah. there any unintended consequences? Might you somehow give the wrong message? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But the whole point and, is that we're trying to be memorable. And I suppose, yes. uh, it, and you want to be memorable, I guess, in a good way, so that you don't yeah. put people off. Yes. Yes. Okay, so we, we've, we've gone through the age for hero. So we've described the situation. We've gone through the you, the uphill struggle to sort of describe and agitate the problem. We've done the show, which is kind of illustrated with something that's quite striking. 
So another S. What's next? Take a guess. We can show the solution. Absolutely. Well done, Kevin. You have been listening after all. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I think uh, it is obviously uh, essential to present uh, or propose a solution. Yeah. We we all like we all like solutions. We all welcome them, and also it brings the tone because I think one thing we can be very we need to be careful with at work is where that's the tone. So you can't just come all doom and gloom. Yes, we have to present the problem, but actually we want to almost like move towards a, a change of scene to it, coming towards a happy ending in our, in our yes. story or presentation. Yeah. So that turning point is really important. And, and I think sometimes as well, if you think about the people you enjoy working with and the people in your team that you value particularly, often are the ones that they come to you with a problem, but also with a proposed solution not just with the problem. Yes. So if you're thinking about, you know, you have to do a presentation to a, you know, the top board of your organization, it's, it's really good to have both, to come up with a problem, but also even if your solution you have to bring to the table is, has some challenges inherent within them, even if that's not what's going to be agreed, that is that mindset of here's my solution, here's my positive change of tone in, yeah. in my presentation. And if we're telling a story, this is looking at a situation that existed and this is looking at a solution that was put together to transform the position so here's the problem the s is here's what we did about it absolutely so absolutely you, so you can ask yourself how how was the situation resolved or how do i plan to fix it and and what can, what well the, the learning comes later but what positive things are there Mm. to to present you know they almost like the the hero the hero comes to this rescue kind of thing um in in that with that solution yeah yeah so we're, we're very much talking about the hero again how did we turn this around how did we fix it what were the practical things we did um but that's that's one off for the story so i'm guessing susanna that the l in hustle is bring out the learning yes i gave it away accidentally earlier <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i mean if you think about going back to the jesus example that you talked earlier all, all these parables the powerful thing in every story is actually what can be, be learned from it and and more importantly not only what have i learned but what could others learn what can my audience learn because that's where the, the the real power comes from Fixing yeah. a single problem in isolation is quite meaningless. Mm. What's very powerful is how do I take this instance, this problem, this situation into growth for the future, into preventing problems in the future? You know, what can I implement? What in finance? Quite often, I've I've, I've had to come to a meeting and, and present something that's gone wrong, whether that is a, a problem in the balance sheet or. We all know about the challenges we face in the finance uh, team and quite often is, is coming clean with things that are, were broken in the past or a, a, a control's been broken and a payment's been made where it shouldn't have been made. Things, everyday things. But the powerful thing is always, okay, this is what's, wrong, what's gone wrong, but this is what I'm doing or we're doing to prevent it from happening in the future. I think that's the, that's the, the yeah. gem. So it's, yeah, 
tell a story about what's gone wrong, why. You might even throw an example in of, oh, don't worry too much. Here's where it's happened before and here's how we sorted it out. Oh, um, here's what we're going to do so it's not going to happen again. Yeah. So learning. I, I can get that. So learning. And I, I'm using it very much. And I, I'll take that ICI example that we talked about and then start talking about, well, okay. So do you understand which pro products, which customers you've got are profitable and which ones not so? It's not necessarily the gross margin. Uh, this particular little widget that we sold to the molders for Guinness actually had a very, very premium price on it. Mm -hmm. The problem was that we never sold enough volume in order to recover the development costs. So we then start talking about techniques of costing your products or costing your customers and start talking about, well, actually the, the P&L isn't particularly useful in this situation because the P&L will give you loads of information on what your costs are, but it won't tell you why you spent the money. You'll get items on your P&L account like uh, heat, light and power, stationery, postage. It'll tell you what, but it doesn't tell you why. It doesn't tell you which customer or which product was driving you spending the mm -hmm. money. And I'll go in from the ICI example, usually to start teaching activity analysis. Sometimes Work you need out to go what the staff are doing. What are they spending all their time on? Because actually your, your salary bill is probably the, the biggest driver of cost. And not it depends only, on the organization. But yeah, yes. it does. But that, I'd also draw the parallel in a lot of places where you've got customer service teams and research teams and sales teams and so on, that it's not just the salary cost. People spend money. Mm -hmm. People spend That's... lots of money besides their salaries. So you know, working out what your people are doing, why they're doing it, and that activity they're doing, which product or which customer is driving them to do that, can reveal an awful lot of hidden facts about what product or a customer really yeah. costs you to serve. And are we really willing to learn? Because that's the other thing. Sometimes we, we see ourselves in organizations when something happened last year. So typical example, um, we, we're not managing the budget particularly well. And then Q4, here comes the higher freeze. And then that creates a lot of tension throughout the organization. And in a way, I have, I have seen how sometimes the following year, you, for the first three months, for the first six months, we, we sort of say, oh, no, we're going to make the budget. And each of the departments or divisions or whatever will say, no, I'm going to hit it. I'm behind, but I'm going to come back. And here comes again Q4. Here comes again. We've been in a little bit. Uh, there, is a, there is an expression in Spanish that I'm not sure you use in English that is called, it's like cheating at yourself playing solitary. You know, when these games. Yeah, 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 yes. <laughs> So are we really willing to learn? And quite often, unfortunately, we, we shy away from, you know, what's this really telling me? What's, the, you know, what do I really have to do and learn so that I'm not back in the same uh, 
space next year or the next time round. And um, we do cheat ourselves at playing yes. cards. <laughs> I, I, I think that you, you've introduced a whole area there of, of measuring performance. And I think you have to choose your performance measures and then report them in such a way that they tell a coherent story. Mm-hmm. Now, I've seen lots of reports that consist just of table after table after table of figures, and you've really got to delve in to see what's going on. A report coming out of the finance team, to my mind, should be intuitive. You should be able to see straight away. They should have looked at the figures, seen what's going on, told the story that's going mm-hmm. on behind mm-hmm. those numbers. No? Sales are up. Sales are up because. Yeah. This is a temporary effect. We don't expect this to continue in the future. It's going to drop down to where we normally was because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. bring to life what's actually going on behind the numbers. Yeah. And I think that situation that you are talking about and when we talk about learning is what what action do I need to take what will it yes. be, what will the impact of that report that you're reading really should be or within our own department how could we change activities in and outside yeah. of finance and now I've done a lot of work in the past Susanna around balance scorecards and okay. a, lot, a lot of stuff on a scorecard will, will use traffic lights you know red amber and green mm-hmm. and We've had a lot of arguments in the past with clients about, well, okay, so understand green, when something amber, when something red. And people have started going in straight away to say, well, hang on, it's amber if it's only te- it's 10% away from target, it's red if it's 20% away. And rules like that have come in. And I've said, well, hang on, no, this is about what action do you want to take? Hmm. If something is going wrong but you know why you've taken you've taken the the, the the action you know it's going to come back on track and so on well that's amber red is oh this has gone wrong this is seriously wrong we need to escalate the problem we need to do something we need to talk about this that's red no don't get bound up in percentages, tolerances, yeah. things like that. <clears throat> Red, amber, green is about what action do I need? No? Green, don't worry about it. Amber, yeah, it's a bit out, but we're sorting it. Red, we need to look at We this. need to focus on now. Yeah. That, I think perhaps that you've just uh, brought to the table the topic of our next podcast, because I, I think there is a lot to talk about how you can use this idea of, I call it heat mapping, of yeah. red and the green in different, for instance, I tend to use it a lot uh, when I'm looking at what the state of the department, what things are working, what things are not working, how should we focus our priorities? And I think there might be an interesting conversation. I think let's, let's, let's record the next one, Susanna, on exactly that. I'm looking forward to it already. But um, now we've, we've got to hear. And our hustle is our lacking hustle. an E. Yes, it's lacking the E to, to so, close so. off. The, we, we've, the we've looked at this, we've looked at the solution, we've looked at the learnings. So what else? What's, what's missing? What's the last step? I, the, la- the E stands for extraordinary. 
And I remember when we did the session, that lunchtime session on this topic, there was a very good question by one of the participants that said it was something like, how can I possibly make a finance presentation (laughs) extraordinary? Because let's be honest, most people have a perception of finance that is really dull and sort of straight jacketed yeah. and oh, the cfo is going to come and talk to us now for the next 10 minutes i'll choose this moment to go make a coffee or fall asleep yeah <laughs> so i think especially that was such a good question by by the participant because that is one of our key challenges it is worth thinking about it how yeah. do you make what you're showing um extraordinary and of course that would depend on on what you're presenting but i think for, for me, in this particular topic, hassle is what brings the extraordinary in, because I think people that have listened to our talk today, I would be quite confident that most of them will remember hustle, the word, and go a bit beyond and even remember what some of the letters stand for. So for me, bringing extraordinary is about making uh, your presentation memorable. How can you help yourself remember what you're trying to talk about, and how can you help other people walk away remembering the content and that can be using imagination even if you have to I remember I did a I did a session with a specialist on on the um, uh, memory uh, memory enhancing uh, tricks and he did a little exercise for me that we ended up me thinking of a monkey with a pineapple on its head and I still have that image in my in my head from that conversation. So extraordinarily, that must it's all have been about playing play little tricks <laughs> to try and make it memorable because yeah. you don't want people to walk out of the room and immediately forget what you're trying to, what your key message is. Yes. And you can use um, mnemonics, you can use imagination, you can use Im- imagery to achieve that extraordinary objective, even if difficult, because we are accountants. Yes, I do like that one. So uh, may, maybe you've got a slide next month that the the position of the, the 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 pineapple on the monkey's head and how high up the pineapple is reflects how much profit you've made in the month. For instance, yeah, that could be your team. You know, if you're trying to encourage the team to achieve certain goals, just I mean, sometimes like they're delivering a, an ambitious project plan for a finance team when you're in the middle of a transformation process, again, you can bring little tricks and a yeah. bit of fun mm. to, to just get it, get a step outside that um, grey yeah. box. And the, ho- the whole point of storytelling is that it's to make the learning or the message memorable. So to start off with, we know psychologically, if you go and present somebody with methodology or a way of doing things, then they'll remember a little bit of it if you tell them a story they remember quite a lot of it mm-hmm. but we're then saying on top of that uh, do something with the story to make sure the story is memorable absolutely so take all these little things of presenting your hero so people care about that hero and they understand the context mm. also having that uphill struggle that you're trying to solve yes. and having the presenting it with a good show good words bringing the solution that changes the tone. Yes, Mm -hmm. suddenly we move towards solution, bringing the gems of what have we learned from that? What can we do differently? 
and making sure it's extraordinary. If you bring all those little steps together, I think you have a, a better chance of getting buy-in from people, making sure they, they actually support what you're trying to achieve, making sure that they, they, they're more likely to remember <laughs> what, you, what you've told them. And, and just having that well-balanced story, um, more than the story, is the components of, of putting that story across. Yeah, yeah. So when we, we started this by saying neither of us feel as though we're particularly good storytellers. We're learning this and we're picking it up as we go. So the first question somebody might well have is, well, fine, you're telling me, you're telling me, Susanna, to tell stories. Well, I don't have any stories to tell. What stories should I be telling? Do we... I think it's very there's always a story. And I think some of the some of the um, I use personal stories a lot at work or examples, silly examples and metaphors and yeah. people that have worked with me when I, when they hear me saying this, they'd be smiling probably because sometimes I come out with the weirdest of examples that mm. uh, may appear not relevant, but actually we all can draw from that. And, and we often at work as well, we shy away from sharing personal information. Yeah. And that brings a lot of power and buying in, into your the other people. It doesn't mean you have to share absolutely everything and, and overshare. I'm not talking about that. But if you show snippets of who you are as a person, uh, in addition to the professional that we all are, actually that can be an asset rather than, than a hindrance. So if, if we really look at ourselves in the mirror and say, do I really have no stories to tell? Or am I either too lazy to think about them or too shy to bring them out? Mm. yeah i i think i'd start off by saying what whatever the problem is that you're looking at and trying to to combat there must be an example somewhere of where you've been in a similar situation before won't be identical won't necessarily be all of the problem but there must be a previous situation that you've been in that you can relate to and I suppose there's a flip side of this as well, which is about getting the people around you to have the confidence that you can solve the problem. Um, thinking when, when, when we put a proposal together for a consulting assignment, you know, we'll, we'll put a couple of things in there. We'll, we'll start talking about the, the problem that the organization's got. We'll start talking about the solution that, we're, go we're going to do but there'll always be a bit about oh here are the people that are going to be in the team and here's a track record of where we've done that before mm -hmm. and I guess you're telling stories to your board and so on and it's kind of oh and here's where I've done it before so of course we can solve it have confidence in us now here's the track record and actually, that doesn't mean that you can't also, I think, use your failures as, as a proof of your track record. I mean, I, oh, yes. I think in yes. the challenges I, I face at work all the time, they're the same problems that materialize in different industries and different organizations. And even, and we all, going back to the learning, some of the, the, the most powerful, um, almost 
um, capability builders have been those particular examples that were very challenging and often yes. even failures and are those that allow you to then next time round deliver it successfully. And it can also help with the debate around what we do about a problem. And you'll get a situation a lot of time at the board that problem will be presented and somebody will say, well, I think we should do X, Y, and Z. And you're sitting there as the CFO and thinking, hmm, nah, that's... If you can tell a story about, oh, we had this situation in the past, we did something similar to that, and it didn't produce the results that we wanted, and here's why it didn't produce the results, then that can be a very, very useful way of adding to the debate. Yeah. You're not just saying, oh, I don't agree with this. I don't think we should do it like that, which can be very emotive and bring in just personal opinions. Mm -hmm. You're then telling a story which is illustrating why you think it shouldn't work. Mm -hmm. And it's also it's adding to the debate and it's saying, well, in that situation, that didn't work. It didn't work because of these things. So what can we learn from that and how might we approach it differently here? Mm -hmm. Or do those same things apply here that meant it didn't work, that caused it not to work? So you, you, can, you, can, you can extend your analysis of a current problem by relating it to a previous story. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. Kevin, I'm conscious of time. We're having a great discussion here, but I think we always, again, good stories. We need to close them. We do. And, um, and because we podcasts can be too long and podcasts can bore people. <laughs> I know, I know. And I, I, I mean, I can just talk about these things forever, but I, I'm conscious that you're busy. I'm busy and I'm sure people yes. listening to our chat today. Absolutely. So, Susanna, that has been fantastic. So, really have, I persuaded you, have I persuaded you that we can all try and become better storytellers? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's a, a, a skill that we should all be working on. Maybe, maybe this is the 46th skill in the C Grow CFO <laughs> storytelling. <laughs> well, I think communication is in there. And this is it's communication. A, a way, a it's a subset to, of communication. Yes. To look at yeah. how, how we communicate better. Yes. Thank you, Susanna. That has been great. My pleasure, Kevin. Okay.